Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 21st, 2020. Uh, we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, and uh, Bruce, this is this is proper seven, uh, but for uh, the people at home, if they uh, compare our readings to uh, whatever lectionary guide that they uh, may, may have either in their home or access to, um, besides the gospel, they will might find themselves in a state of confusion because the other two readings are not uh, options uh, during this for the standard lectionary for proper seven. We're going a different route. Uh, can you explain sure. the reasoning behind that and what we're doing? Yeah, we are observing the um, celebration of Juneteenth, which is the uh, day in which um, the slaves, enslaved people in Texas were told in 1865 about the Emancipation Proclamation, which of course is from 1863, but they did not know that because of the Civil War going on and Texas being a Confederate state. So mm -hmm. this has become, of course, a, a wider celebration in the uh, time since then to be a a day in which all people can celebrate the end of that evil institution of human slavery in the United States. And the actual date is June 19th, but this June is the closest, 19th. yeah, this is the closest mm -hmm. Sunday. <clears throat> right, right, right. Um, and, and I think, I think we should also, uh, mention, um, uh, the, um, an unfortunate circumstances that, uh, make this, uh, this year's Juneteenth, particularly meaningful and poignant right um um is uh and we we don't we don't it doesn't always come close to a sunday some 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 years uh um uh it passes uh with uh little notice or or um attention uh and by um, the church yeah 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 absolutely and uh um um Sorry, sorry to uh, see the need uh, for that reminder, um, uh, particularly this year. Um, as you as you said, it's a, 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 a the, the horrible human sin um, that we are are still uh, very much seeing and feeling the effects of. Um, despite right. what what year did you say the proclamation was? Eighteen what? Well, it was eighteen sixty five. Is when this yeah is when this group heard it the Emancipation Proclamation was eighteen sixty three in the midst of the Civil War, um, but yeah I mean with institutional racism, the issues around white privilege, all those mm -hmm. things are issues that we're now hopefully finding a way to talk about that we have not been able to embrace um, within the church. Forever, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we were part of many times. We were part of the efforts to abolish slavery before the Civil War, but also there was the dimension that in the Deep South there were very active Episcopalians and leadership positions in the church and in society that were promoting slavery and and financially profiting from it. Both right. actually all along the East Coast. So that's a legacy we've been trying to deal with more explicitly for the last 15 years or so. Um, 
national church proclamations, um, adult education and youth materials being produced, mm-hmm. things like that. And certainly the moment in our wider society, this is a, a good time to, as much as we can, try to get in step with how the world is changing for the better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least, fingers crossed. It was. I was just sitting here thinking about how if you were to write down on paper what it was like in 1865 and what it's like now on paper without dates, uh, one could look at that and go, okay, that's pretty decent improvement until you add how many years have passed. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go, oh, good Lord, that's not nearly... Fast, not nearly fast <laughs> enough. That's not nearly fast enough, uh, yeah. uh, and and uh, is uh, it, quite frankly uh, not acceptable. I mean, yeah. uh, I think uh, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, we all, and that includes the church, and, and in some cases, especially the church, uh, have to fall on our sword and admitting uh, that 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 is a a fairly profound failure in our society. Um, yeah, and in our church, yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, I understand how that becomes an uncomfortable thing to admit. Uh, no one likes to admit failure. Um, but, uh, um, it is, it is the legacy that we have and the legacy that we are faced with, uh, uh, not perpetuating any further. Yeah. And if we're not honest with ourselves about, I'm not, I don't know how we can heal from it because we're damaged too by it. Absolutely. The whole absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely right. So, uh, so that is the reason for the the different readings. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, before we had started recording, Bruce, you had mentioned that there actually is a proper uh, um, uh, um, setup set election. Yeah, yeah, electionary setup. Set of for, readings and uh, opening prayer that so uh, come out of the diocese of Missouri. Actually, they are the ones who produced oh, okay. it a few years ago, and it's been. Mm-hmm adopted uh, throughout the church and so it's it's very helpful that someone has done that legwork for us so we don't have to reinvent the yeah. wheel and we can have a sense of unity throughout the Episcopal Church that we're worshiping in a similar way. Sure and I also wanted to mention that uh, to provide you a little bit of cover this these are not readings that uh, Bruce Gray himself <laughs> sat down and handpicked and said these are appropriate for <laughs> Juneteenth uh, um, um, yeah, the old uh, white guy did not choose these. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so the, these are these are have been have been chosen a uh, by by a larger body uh, yeah. um, than than uh, just one individual. So so that is that is that is to to clarify that you did not pick these readings. Right. You chose to follow an existing uh, proper. Yeah. Um, well, then let's move over to our word of the day. Uh, and today's word, Bruce. I know that you know this word. I, okay. I, 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 well, I don't know, no. But if you don't know this word, then, then uh, I don't know. There might need to be some discussions. But it is a word that uh, doesn't get uh, mentioned very often, um, and isn't widely known uh, inside and outside of the church. And that word is Septuagint. Oh, okay. It's a translation of the Bible. That was mm-hmm. the first one in Latin, and mm-hmm. so it it was the basis of the first English translations of the scriptures. Since you know, what if you know your history, it's the 
in the uh, Protestant Reformation, people were mm -hmm. pushing to have the scripture available in their own languages. And since the Septuagint was the one being used, the Latin version, during the Latin Mass, that's where a lot of the first English translations came from. So yes. one of the big changes to, to how Bibles sounded came in later years when uh, scholars went back to older texts and corrected some of the mistakes that had creeped into the English translations and other languages, German, etc., um, mm -hmm. because of the um, de-evolution of the translation from the original languages into Greek and then into Latin and then into English or German or whatever, French, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it, it's the um, one of the key moments of the development of the Western Bible. Yes, uh, there's a, there's a couple of interesting things that they have on this definition um, that uh, that uh, you you failed to mention <laughs> well, uh, 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 that, that that helped color it a little bit uh, more, uh, which I think is interesting. Uh, the word means seventy. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that uh, it's the reason it's worded that way is that there was an early legend that 72, which they rounded down to 70 Jewish scholars, uh, were, were involved in the translation into Greek and specifically the word Septuagint, um, applies to the Pentateuch, uh, only, um, which I, which I've kind of found interesting because oh. really the translation, the, the, the first translation, which got this nickname, was just of the Pentateuch. Uh, the, the translation continued, and they, they went on and did... Uh, um, I'd forgotten that. The, the, the rest of the Bible. But uh, it, originally, it was just the Pentateuch. And, and Bruce, just for... Uh, uh, since we're throwing a lot of uh, Greek words out there, uh, the, the, the Pentateuch is specifically the... the what? First, the, the, the first... For, Five books of the what we call right. the Old Testament of the Hebrew Scriptures, right, right. So they started at, at what we have as the beginning, and uh, uh, and that is that is where uh, the word Septuagint comes from is that translation of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Um, obviously, they went on and, like I said, did the rest of it. Uh, they have a whole bunch in here about. Um, um, Roman numeral designation for this version of the translation and uh, how they uh, play into the Hebrew Masoretic text uh, version and the, the, the early version of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, but yeah, that's all of that. And, and a little bit about, you know, <laughs> the, the, the reign of uh, the Greek Empire at the time and where it was and all, all sorts of. Well, yeah, that's part of the cultural piece background. of it yeah. is that Greek was no longer. The development of the Latin translation showed how Greek, Greek was no longer the universal language of the educated in the empire. They needed it into right. Latin. Uh, right. So, yeah, it, it also is a big historical marker of um, where the educated class was. They didn't, at right. that point, they didn't care whether the guy on the street could read it or not. It was whether or not the people studying in the libraries could. Right. And uh, it also uh, should be mentioned that all of this was done. BC. All of this was done before uh, the time of Christ. Uh, so the, these, the Septuagint, 
uh, and the, um, the, the, the Hebrew Bible, all of this was in circulation um, somewhere the in the, Jesus, yeah. yeah, somewhere in the 200s BC. Uh, um, and, uh, so this would have been the basis, uh, of, of the, the version of the Bible being discussed, uh, and that it is re then referenced, um, during the gospel readings and the, the New Testament, um, um, the period, period of time during the New Testament too. So, and, and what's interesting is in the places where Jesus quotes the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, um, today we can see whether or not what he has memorized is from the Greek or from the Hebrew by what terms right. he uses. And so that tells you already there that there was a shift in some wording as it was translated from Hebrew to the Greek. And then you can imagine mm -hmm. going into another language, Latin, which is very different from Greek, there would have been other shifts. And so it's right. um, that's why the biblical scholarship that took place after the Enlightenment was um, and really blossomed in the 1900s was so crucial to try to get us back to the text that Jesus would have been familiar with and, and Jews of his era. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, fascinating for uh, the church nerds among us. Um, yeah. Which, which I believe you, you and I are among them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... Shout out, shout out to the church nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, this first, uh, this, let's uh, move on then to this first reading. And this first reading is um, from the book of Amos. And if, I'm, if memory serves me correctly, we actually read from this either earlier, this, it was definitely earlier this liturgical year. I can't remember yeah. if it was in this calendar year or uh, the, the tail end of last calendar year. But... Um, I remember we read from Amos. It was fascinating, and then I had made the comment of, uh, "It's a shame that we'll probably never come back to. <laughs> we're not coming back to him <laughs> for like, right? You know, for for, and for forever." And look, and here, here Amos comes storming back. Uh, uh, so, so shout out to uh, to the Juneteenth preppers for utilizing Amos so that we could talk about him again. Um, this reading from Amos is from uh, chapter five. Uh, verse 21 through 24. The Lord told Amos, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being uh, of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Um, the last part of that reading uh, is familiar. Mm -hmm. um, I think a fairly a fairly widely used phrase, uh, let justice roll down like waters. Um, but the, the almost never is it paired with the rest of this reading. We don't get the full context of it. Right. Um, this doesn't sound like God. What's going on here? You know, I, I, I don't... I don't like, you know, I don't like what's going on here. I take no delight uh, in this. Uh, you offer me these things and I will not accept them. Uh, I look, you give me offerings. I won't look at them. Uh, take, take this, take your songs away and take your harps and throw them in the river. Get out of here. Um, what's going on here in Amos? Like, what's the, what's the deal? Well, this, 
I, I think I said before when we talked about Amos, when I was in seminary and we had to pass tests on Bible content, the little memorization tool or learning tool was Angry Amos um, and Happy Hosea yeah. was the pair, uh, where they look at similar events and take the opposite perspective. Uh, and so Amos is, is really a, a prophet who is... Um, yelling at the yeah. people of Israel for being hypocrites and mm. being willing to worship and follow all the rules of good liturgical practice and yet not live ethical lives with uh, you know, not being in a good relationship with God and not being in a good relationship with individuals and not being in a good relationship with society. That instead they live very selfishly. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Angry Amos. Uh, seems seems right. <laughs> he's he's uh, uh, the the way he writes and depicts God in this in in uh, uh, in this passage is he's not happy. Obviously, um, I mean, who doesn't like songs and harps and you know free grain. Uh, <laughs> Well, and um, <laughs> yeah, a good barbecue. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and that's in a sense that that spirit is what Amos is yelling about. Is you you're taking this so mm-hmm. for granted that you don't realize what your grain offering means. You don't know what your um, fatted animal offering means anymore. It's you're just doing it. Because it's what has always been done, and you think if you do it, you're mm-hmm. checking the box, and right. there, therefore you'll be on the right side of God. And obviously, um, God goes on to say, because Amos is quoting God here, um, is sharing mm-hmm. the the word of the Lord that no, what really pleases me is not wonderful choir anthems and good sacrifices, but instead a life that's lived ethically. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we, um, and so, so the, the process of giving offerings and uh, these festivals, they're supposed to be an outward sign of what's in your heart, right? So Amos is not happy that you're, you're giving this outward sign, but you don't really mean it. It's right. not really there. You don't care or respect it uh, 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 the way you should, and it's, it's, which, which is kind of, you know, the, 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 you know, we, we, we still kind of sometimes experience this, uh, daily and which oh, is yeah. probably the reason why this is, uh, chosen for, uh, uh, this specific, um, um, proper for, for Juneteenth. Um, you know, uh, it's possible to, to, we just kind of sometimes go through the motions and we don't really, um, we don't really, uh, outwardly represent what's in. Uh, what's in our hearts or what's in our hearts is not uh, adequately representing uh, where we should be. And um, um, yeah, what, what, what good is that? I mean, if you, if you, uh, I guess I would use the example of if you give a, you know, a birthday present to, to, to somebody and you don't, you're not, your heart's not really in it and you don't really care. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling uh, most people, maybe not young children, but most people 
kind of get that sense. Right. <laughs> like, oh, oh, thanks. It's uh, what it's a nice this. gift card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a card wishing me well. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> looks like you just bought it. The tag's still on this. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so, so that's a, it, it, it makes some, some sense. Um, so so is, out of curiosity, is Amos angry the whole way through? Is it like... Uh, he gets better at times. <laughs> he gets less scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> but if, if someone gave you a verse and it was a multiple choice test and it was angry, you would clip you know, and you had no idea, you would guess Amos. But, <laughs> <laughs> Deductive uh, reasoning. I like it. <clears throat> and, but yeah, he's I mean, there it's one of these things where in one way in one way, he stays angry through the whole thing. And in another mm-hmm. way, he's reassuring through the whole thing. Because hmm. if at the times when we are victims of hypocrisy, Amos can be a comfort. That mm-hmm. when, um, I, well, let's just go with slavery. That when... Mm-hmm. Um, White Americans enslaved people from Africa. They one of the absolutely bizarre things that took place was the um, white slaveholder thinking if he had his slaves baptized, then their life was better than it was before, regardless of how they get treated from then on. And so, gosh, yeah, yeah, and so Amos very much would be a comfort, a comforting set of passages for the people who were surviving that um, time of life. That, mm-hmm. you know, knees were on their necks. And by someone mm-hmm. who was supposed to be respectable in the um, society, and Amos is very much aimed at those folks. At the at the hmm. people who are full of hypocrisy, that others respect them and they have lots of power. Well, no, God sees through that. Right, right, and ultimately, uh, we we are all will all have to take into account <laughs> our own <laughs> actions uh, to, to to Him at the end of the day. Uh, there's no there's no avoiding that. Yeah, um, yeah. No amount of sacrifices or good choir <clears throat> anthems will eliminate the ways in which we treat other people so terribly right yeah okay uh well let's move on then to galatians Uh chapter 3 verse 26 through 29 for in christ jesus you are all children of god through faith as many of you as were baptized into christ have clothed yourselves with christ there is no longer jew or greek there is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Um, uh, the promise, of course, uh, being... Um, there, there's, I guess there's multiple layers to the promise given to Abraham, uh, which is what is being referred to here. Um, because there was... The promise to him directly, which was 
that his offspring would become a great nation and right <clears throat> you know uh the 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 numbers of his of his uh lineage would be greater than the stars of the sky but it, there's also a a spiritual um uh connective promise uh kind of baked in uh to 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 it um uh and so this this passage is basically saying um because of Christ's actions, those um, those barriers, those those identifiers that we have put up for ourselves are kind of torn down and, and stripped away. Right. And um, all all across the board, we're on on equal footing in right. the eyes of God. So yeah. Um, anything? What, what, what what about this though? One of the interesting things that um, I didn't know until recently, even though I've studied this passage over and over, but there's always more and more layers to go through, uh, that verse 28, the neither there is Jew nor Greek, neither um, slave nor free, male nor female, all of you are one in Christ Jesus. A lot of scholars think that was a baptismal sentence. That as people were baptized, this would be said over them. As the water was being poured over them, which I think is just beautiful to picture. Yeah, uh, I mean it, it, it occurs in triplicate, so there's mm-hmm. uh, there's that that Trinity aspect. One could easily, I think, imagine um, the water even even in modern day services, yeah. the water being poured over the forehead three times, <clears throat> and these uh, these words being said instead. Yeah, that would be uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, and so it's it, and so that tells us that this it really drives home what we probably already aware of. This is a passage about identity of who we are, and mm-hmm. the surfacey things that we often work hard to achieve don't matter. What matters is our right. identity in God, and that's that piece of Abraham's um, legacy. That's that piece of being one in Christ Jesus that doesn't matter whether what what your income level is it doesn't matter social status um, obviously it doesn't matter race uh, we're all one in God uh, and so it's right. such a beautiful passage that way yeah yeah it absolutely is um, yeah I'm gonna have trouble not thinking that as a baptismal yeah um, statement now because uh, that really is um, that really is beautiful the the, the book uh, the, the book Galatians uh, do we know who the who's the author I'm trying to think how long it's been since we've read from Galatians it's been a while yeah um, so let's 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 cover those those basic bases again uh, uh, the, the the author is this one of the ones that we know we're pretty sure about we have no idea Um. We aren't completely sure, but we're, we're, but most scholars agree that it's a very, very early letter from Paul. Okay. And, and, uh, and then it's the old thing where the edges, the very early and the very late, it's harder to tell by content whether it's from Paul or not because of the evolution of his theology as he writes. But it, it's pretty much agreed that it was one of the first um, Pauline letters. Okay, okay, um, and then uh, Galatia, 
I'm trying to remember exactly where is that is that modern day Turkey? You know is that where I that have, is? I'm not sure at the moment. I have to admit. Okay. Um, I'm pulling it up just to double check just so yeah. I can get my my map uh, uh, straight because I, I I remember uh, I remember from uh, my young years that it was definitely east of Greece. Yeah. <clears throat> of course, the the empire at the time, uh, it's kind of hard to say, but east of modern day Greece. Yeah, it looks like it. Okay, so it's in between um, what they would have called then Asia and Cappadocia, um, above Pamphylia and Cilia. Okay. Uh, or uh, Cilicia. <clears throat> so east, so so uh, uh, just just so you, you can picture it on, on your the map, uh, um, yeah, it's basically the middle of modern day, uh, Turkey. Um, but it kind of, uh, is, is sandwiched in between Ephesus, uh, which is a seaboard, uh, city to the West, uh, Tarsus, which is a seaboard city to the Southeast and, uh, 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 which is near Antioch as well. So all these like little names of cities, uh, that have uh, letters written to them or are mm-hmm. mentioned uh, in in a, in a New Testament story. Um, uh, that's that's where all of this uh, occurs. So it's it's north and a little bit west of of uh, uh, modern day Palestine, uh, Jerusalem, uh, um, uh, Bethlehem, the, the 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 main cities of the the stories of the Gospels. Um, so this is uh, it spreading. Uh, uh, further at the time, which would have been, uh, uh, far and wide for the amount of distance that they can, you know, that things uh, can cover at the time when it was written. So, um, but it's starting to, this is a, a letter, uh, um, fairly far away, uh, for, yeah. for well, the time that, it was written. This that's is, why it had to be a letter. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know as if he ever visited. Yeah. Cause he did travel. And so I think he did. Yeah, it, um, it, we're pretty sure that he did actually personally create congregations in the Galatian area. Okay. So then this okay. is this is one of those follow up letters of wait a minute, you guys are being get off track. Um, let, let's get you back down to center. Right. Right. Um, anything more about this uh, relatively short passage from right. uh, Galatians? I, th- you know, but we hit the centerpiece of it, and I think that's yeah. the most important yeah. for this Sunday. I I like it, and I would love to hear uh, those words um, uh, maybe mentioned at a baptism at some yeah. point in time. So challenge challenge extended, uh, <laughs> uh, con- congregants and priest. <laughs> right, Remi- literally. I'm I remind me. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Well, the gospel reading, (laughs) and I forget just as much. Um, So uh, the the gospel is the shared reading uh, is is not any different than the lectionary um, 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 readings that are that that you would find online or or your lectionary guide, and that's Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty four through thirty nine. Jesus said, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub... uh, No, that's it. That's not it. 
<laughs> Sorry. Beelzebul? You just can't bring Sorry, yourself everyone. to say it. <laughs> I, I was going to say Beelzebub, and that's not right. Um, how much more will they... Uh, sorry, if they if they have... Let me restart that sentence. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark... Tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Um, the, the part there at the end... Um, is a one of those passages that I know uh, for a fact because sometimes I'm among uh, these a, a gr this group of people, but people who can get a little depressed at hearing some of these words, like "Oh my gosh, well, but I really do love my father and mother." <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. do I love them more than God? And is that a, and and that sound that's a problem? And you kind of feel like a, a almost. Sometimes a, a a sense of discouragement of like should should I not, you know we're so strongly yep. family tied should should we not should I not care and then you kind of have to delve more into the the passage for for more understanding as to what's being said here right I mean yeah part of it is <clears throat> again putting it in the context that um, we. We know from various biblical passages that one of the appeals people would make to to Jesus, to prophets, that about, come on, get back in the mainstream, would be, you're basically, you're embarrassing your parents. So, mm. it, it, that the, one of the basic um, human behaviors, probably, but certainly within scripture and certainly I think within our current society is the tension around the parental relationships, particularly as we become more independent. And I'm not thinking mm -hmm. so much about sneaking out as a teenager and using the car without permission, but more, what if my, what if my parents are racists? What if my parents are greedy jerks? Um, mm. And this is Jesus putting the verse that would be used against such kids objecting to their parents of 
honor your mother and father, putting that into perspective. Hmm. That honoring God is much more important than honoring your parents. Everything has to be kept in balance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the parents do have to learn from the children about what is the righteous way to live. Yeah, and, and especially viewing these readings through the context of, um, you know, uh, slavery, inequality, racism, which is, you know, yeah. the, 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 the particular theme this week uh, in Remembrance, um, yeah, it's particularly poignant um, because, yeah, that, that's, you know, um, you don't, I wouldn't just blindly follow um, those uh, feelings of superiority that I'm sure run in my family. Uh, I wouldn't just, you know, oh, well, but, you know, my dad feels this way. My grandpa felt this way or my great grandfather felt this way. So yeah. therefore I should continue that tradition, uh, especially in the, in, in the lens of Juneteenth, it's kind of, you know, that realization of like, no, 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 no. Number one, we're all fallible, but number two, especially if you see, um, um, something being done wrong in your family, you know, you follow, you follow me, you follow God, you don't follow, you know, yeah. uh, the sins of the father as it were. Um, uh, cause that, that's just, you know, put in that context, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Why would you, <laughs> right? <laughs> why? Well, you know, it's definitely wrong and I don't feel that way, but he is my dad. So, you know, yeah. what, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is that Matthew, Luke, John all have a passage like this. Mm -hmm. And also there's the, what, what's called the gospel of Thomas, which, didn't make it into the final four, so to speak, in part because it doesn't have any real actions by Jesus. It's sometimes nicknamed the sayings gospel. But mm. it includes this passage about um, hating father and mother. And the, the way it reads there is, whoever does not hate his father and mother cannot become a disciple to me. Um, I'm dot, dot, dot. Mm. The part that does not occur in other Gospels, which I think lends some light as to how the early church saw this, whoever has come to understand the world has found only a corpse, and whoever has found a corpse is superior to the world. Hmm. That if you try to live by the world's standards, it's the way of death. Right. And Jesus is the way of life. Right. Um. I, I do think, I'm not sure if it's uh, just this translation, um, but uh, at one point he does say, uh, verse 34, I've not come to bring peace but a sword. Um, in particular, it kind of jumps out to me that that would have been, uh, had, had he actually, I don't know if he actually used this word, obviously, uh, but um, not to bring peace, but a sword um, could potentially have perked up the ears of several people listening because one of the common uh, misconceptions or, or misunderstandings of Christ's, the reason for Christ being there um, among humankind, especially at the time, was that there was going to be some sort of rebellion, establishment of a kingdom, right. a physical kingdom on earth. 
I'm kind of surprised that this word is used. <laughs> um, and, and in Luke, it's changed to division. I was going to say, like the 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 common image that that comes to my mind that I know he uses, which is like the threshing floor, separating the wheat and wheat and the chaff, and you know uh, something that is more harvest oriented, not um, uh, military right. or or um, um, war like. Uh, um, as, as far as language and imagery goes. Um, so I'm kind of surprised by, quite frankly, the use of such a term in this, in, in this reading. And I kind of wonder if that's a, a translation kind of a thing or, or, or what, do you have any insight as to, as, as to that or? Well, certainly the, the translation um, out of the Greek, I'm just double checking, um, yeah, it def it's a sword, machete, knife, uh, huh. but also it's used figuratively within Greek to mean um, judicial punishment. Mm. Okay. So it wasn't explicitly only a weapon. He wasn't saying I've, you know, I've come to bring an M sixteen or a right. tank. I haven't, I haven't come to bring peace, but I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so I think Luke and, and actually the Gospel of Thomas has it this way as well. Of um, I've come to bring division. That, gotcha. Um, Which makes sense with the following verses. You know. Yeah. And I think that's also what Matthew intended is mm -hmm. I've come to bring division. And, because certainly, but I do wonder um, if with the... Uh, from some people, at least in the time of Jesus, a militaristic view of the Messiah, if Jesus was playing with that, by oh. which people would say, oh, finally, he's talking about swords. Good. Okay. And when do we get to stab the Romans? Wait, you're talking about my parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would have been... <laughs> you know, that part of his teaching style at times was... Um, Juxtaposition was right. surprising contrast, was shock, and mm -hmm. it very well could have been that he said sword, and then immediately started about talking about parents. So, huh? Yeah, that that is interesting. That would be that that the more that we study, uh, uh, um, um, especially the gospels, the, or by we, I mean you and I together on this podcast, the more I that sounds like Jesus. <laughs> To lean into a preconceived notion and then flip it on its head, um, uh, it does kind of sound like him. Um, well, unfortunately, we'll have to call the uh, podcast there, uh, as uh, as with uh, many things in <laughs> this modern life, uh, we've had some technical difficulties, and I've lost Bruce uh, to the the powers of no power over at his house, and. Uh, um, Fortunately uh, for you all, I only had two small questions left. Uh, uh, um, that uh, one was um, the uh, on the, the the reading there. Uh, there was a reference to the master of the house of Beelzebul, uh, a name which I butchered. Uh, it turns out that is the <laughs> strangely enough the god of human excrement. Uh, so a strange reference uh, to be in a gospel reading. Uh, um, and uh, the other question that I had was whether or not the word uh, hell in verse 28 
was an additive later, uh, but that was one thing that uh, he kind of needs uh, the power at the house in order to research on the fly as I throw these questions at him. Uh, and with no power, he could not answer. Uh, so, um, and small question as to whether or not uh, what that verse uh, might have originally said prior to later translations. Um, uh, but the point being uh, that uh, um, ultimate respect, respect for God is the uh, general motif of this passage. So, uh, with the end of that discussion, uh, I'll go ahead and end our podcast for June 21st, Proper 7, in celebration of, uh, a remembrance, I should say, uh, instead of celebration, uh, a remembrance of Juneteenth, uh, um, but the, uh, this, the Proper 7 of 2020, uh, and uh, um, feel free to check us out all online, uh, hfec.org. Uh, HFEC videos on YouTube, uh, and obviously this podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. Um, and uh, with that, I'm Ben, and he was Bruce, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.